They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. We're, we're back. Oh, it's now starting. Now, now, we're back on. You have a lot better head than what I do, mate. Look at you. You always look like a young school kid who's just rocked up at his first day of school and he's like just super excited to be there and can't wait to meet everybody, make a whole lot of new friends, play in the playground, throw the ball, be picked as captain for all the teams. Um, yeah, and I've still got young, my, I've still got my baby fat even just to help just the young pat, baby pat out the face. You are yeah. unbelievable. You've even got the you've even got the logo. You've dressed in the uniform today. And look, you've got look at what you've got in your background there. You've got a picture of. Yeah. A, or are you in a helicopter overlooking a golf course? <laughs> That's it. So I've got these amazing um, headphones that block out the noise. Oh. And I'm just flying over this beautiful golf course at the moment here on the peninsula. And funnily enough, that view might stay there for the whole podcast, but we'll see. We'll see. Wow. All right, so yeah, is this I a – you're not – this is not a fake background. Way. This is really how this is, this is background real. is. This is, this is how I look. Um, this is a little bio about me that's on this curved wall that we have here in the gallery. You've been into this gallery, haven't you? I have, but I wouldn't say it's a little bio. I'd no, say a little bio is the first paragraph. <laughs> it's very verbose. I wrote it myself. And, oh. then, uh, and then over here we've got, this is the, the main window that faces under the street and we've got a canvas, the bottom of the canvas that faces out of oh. the streets there. And then, um, you know, backing onto that is the other one here um, with the National Golf Course taken from my... Latest, pardon me, okay. latest book on the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, a little bit of remnant COVID. Just uh, yeah, just COVID just cough going to, there. Yeah, <laughs> just coming back Maybe to haunt me. Extend that lockdown a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I was going to go get tested, but I thought that would ruin it for everybody, and we'd have to stay in lockdown. So why, why do that? No, no I'm joking, everybody. Go I'm lick joking. a stranger instead. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the post office and make my way to the front of the queue just by coughing the whole way. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, so I'm here in my lonely gallery with all these beautiful artworks that we just ordered. Again, this happened last time. We spent all this money on on artwork that sat out the back for three months. But, um, you know, hopefully we'll be open again tomorrow, Matthew, and be able to um, see everybody again. It seems that we're tracking in the right direction, whatever you want to say or do. Um, Where are you and what have you been up to? Because we've got um, a little, little blue light disco happening there. For oh, you haven't seen disco till you haven't seen disco <laughs> oh, till I hit the disco button. But um, no. So this is uh, this is my little uh, um, what do you call? It? It's my home office, I guess. But right. um, I, I run my online classes from this very seat with this very lighting setup. So behind me there, you are. You see, you got the, the camera set up. We're doing a bit of a speed lights course at the moment, so this is kind of set up to do a bit of um, yeah, a bit of interesting lighting. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. That's it. I love it, and nice I'm pretty. It's pretty exciting because so this is the funny thing about like I know everyone's sort of you know over lockdowns and all that jazz, and that's that's cool, but I, I've noticed that even since we sort of went out back into the real world, how many people around the world, yes, still in lockdown, but how many people around the world have actually adopted sort of like online learning and um, you know video content like demographics that just would never have picked it up. And we sort of talked about this mm. ages ago when we were saying, oh, people, you know, sort of forced to do it. And so it's great for us because we can deliver more content to more people. Mm. Mm. But 
what I find really cool is even when we're not in lockdowns, people are like, hey, that's a really great way to learn. You can record sessions, you can watch them back um, mm. and you can split up like, you know, rather than us, I, I could never run a workshop that's a four week workshop for one hour a week. It's just not feasible. It doesn't make sense. No, but I, online yeah. can do anything. Yep, of course. So, Welcome yeah. to the, the world of uh, the internet. I know, We're right? Finally, it's finally matured. It's interesting, you know, when these things sort of come out. Do you remember when the internet came out? And I hope I'm not digressing too much. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. <laughs> yes, that one. And then ning ning, wait two minutes, and then drops out. All right. Well, let's start um, get off the phone. <laughs> Stop it. For I'm those, on the internet. <laughs> for those who, who don't know, back in the day, the internet wasn't online 24-7. You actually had to dial in. Yeah. You had to. You weren't. You had well, to the dial internet in was. Get you weren't. And like. then, yes, correct, correct. And, <laughs> and then if somebody picked up the phone, that would disrupt the connection. You'd either be connected and you'd lose your connection or you'd be trying to get on. And he couldn't because somebody was on the phone. What a pain in the ass. It's really and funny. You couldn't possibly watch videos, by the way. YouTube didn't oh, exist. Oh, God, no. You could hardly of... download a picture. Oh, you remember you so, – so for those younger generation who don't even know what we're talking about, you would have to sit and wait for a web page to load. Mm. Remember? Sometimes it would take minutes to load just one web page. Yeah. You'd literally go and make yourself a cup of coffee, come back, and you might – hopefully have that web page loaded so you, you could really read had, or see something. You had to really want to see it, didn't you? Like you had to <laughs> – and the worst part is you'd open it and it would be one of those crappy MySpace pages that had you know, all the animated GIFs and stuff and you'd be like, oh, God, I waited for this. No. It was the design of those pages back then too. You want to Google some of that stuff, guys. Just Google early internet web pages and see the designs. Absolutely oh. terrible. Have you and seen so web- people – Go on. No, I was going to say, have you seen the one that it's like the world's worst web page and it's just nothing but GIFs, like thousands of GIFs all over this page, like everything flashing. It's it's an epileptic right. dream. Yeah. <laughs> when no, they're lying in a coma after having looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember being at uni, 96, 97 or something, and the Age newspaper had just developed their first version of their website and it was literally like a Word document on a page. It had their logo at the top and it had, I think it had some menus across the top and then it was just words on a page and yeah. return to top down the bottom. Remember how every web page would have return to top in the bottom right-hand corner? Well, I sort of feel like that's the way web pages should be really. Like when you think about it, it's great to have, I mean, photos are relevant and stuff, but geez, I hate going on to, I've been doing a lot of research online lately and you go onto a web yeah, well, page. That's and what you call it, research. Something Watching like that. porn is not research, man. <laughs> Camera porn, maybe. Um, but like, okay, here's a classic, right? Have you tried to look up a recipe lately on the internet? Oh, what a no frigging way. Mary and I were only just talking about this the other day. How yeah. shocked. Sorry, did I yell at you? Sorry, no. Darling. Um, I did check my levels before we came on board. No, it looks us. good. I, I, was the, I, had, I actually had an itch, yeah. And I've got my fluff on as well today, which probably made a difference. It does make last a big difference that I didn't have my fluff on? Yeah. But yeah, the, what's with the online recipes? You've got to go through a whole lot of ads, yep. and then you've got to go through a whole lot of fluffy description about how wonderful the recipe is and their backstory and then, about their nonna. <laughs> maybe you finally you you might get the ingredients, you might not. Yeah. And you may or may not get a um, you may or may not get a. A, a recipe somewhere in there mm. towards the bottom of the page. And it, it usually so looks like an ad, annoying. doesn't it? Like you get down to the bottom where you finally yeah. find the recipe and you're like, wait, is this an ad or? Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, hold and on. Oh, oh. 
uh, and then and you the know what? I've burnt gone. it by that point. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> whatever was a step one, I started, and okay. then it's like now it's just a piece of crisp. <laughs> and I'm like, so where's step two? <laughs> why can't people? Why do I don't get why recipes have to be written where here's the ingredients and here's how much you need, and then here's the method, but you always have to be going back to the the ingredients to work out right. So how many cups of water was that again? Yeah. Why can't they just say it in the method? Add your three cups of water. Yeah. I don't get that. That's a good point. Why actually. is that? It's yeah, a very good point, water. Matthew. Yeah. I didn't ever thought of it. It's a very good point. You should write a book. Oh. <laughs> I should write <laughs> recipes in the correct way because somebody, I think it's, I can't put sense to it. If somebody could please on this podcast put in the Facebook group, we'll put in the show notes, of course. If somebody could logically explain to me why that is done in that manner, I would love to know because to me it doesn't make sense. Is it because it's always been done that way and we continue to do it that way? Because I'm going to I'm gonna break the mould. I am, pardon the pun. Wow. I'm going to, uh, what's they call, what do they call it when they break the mould? Um, uh, shift the paradigm. Whoa. Okay, getting the Just big words out wait. on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Imagine wait. if we did this in the afternoon. Imagine the words you'd be using. Oh, we need to do this. We need to do this at a pub one day, that's for sure. <laughs> when we can see each other again, darling. That's it. We'll have to pay an editor to bleep it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. So, look, lockdown, what have you been up to? You've been, I've been recording stuff. Uh, well, as I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, I've been doing huge amounts of research on camera equipment. Um, I am on an absolute, like, you're, you're gung-ho mission, are you? This Just is happening mission. for sure, isn't it? Yeah. You well, are definitely going ahead with this. I've Despite been... the fact that your chief financial officer has probably said no and vetoed this many times, you're just oh, going, no, what, is... though? Bad luck. No, I this is where anything. I'm really – I'm sort of confused and dazed because I've actually got Ooh. the full endorsement for this. So um, There's something wrong. that makes it's it harder come back and of a bite decision. You on your ass later. <laughs> She's going to withhold sex from you for the next month or two <laughs> or at least 12 months. Oh gosh! That's sounds like you happen. sounds like you've bought a camera before, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> many, many, many. Why, why do you think oh. I've got blisters all over this hand? No, that's disgusting. <laughs> well, I've, yeah, that's pretty low. Um, you really did go Jesus. down a go down a rabbit hole there. Um, no, <sighs> I've, I've been I've been on a mission doing research, but not just for cameras. So I've got this, um, and I sort of I think I've mentioned this a few times. I sort of talk about it a lot because it's consuming most of my life at the moment. But um, I'm on a mission to simplify and cut down. And make sure that everything that I own in photography land is mm. firstly it has a use, so it gets mm. used. Um, mm. Then I guess the second part to it is that it's it um, it's multi-purpose, and then thirdly, it's the best quality of that thing you can buy. And right. I know that sounds like overkill, but one thing I'm so sick of is buying bits of equipment where, you know, it does the job for that particular day that you needed it, and you urgently went out and bought it. But then all of a sudden, you kind of go, hold on, this, you know. It, it, it doesn't quite live up to the expectations. So um, as an example, um, I've had a couple of cheap lenses before where I've just sort of thought, oh, you know, that's a pretty good deal or a bargain or whatnot. It does the purpose for the first few weeks or whatnot. And, but looking back retrospectively, I kind of go, yeah, you know what? Like I wish I'd have spent the extra bit and, and got the right thing. So I'm cutting mm. all the stuff out. I've got so many things that have gone onto a Facebook marketplace. <laughs> yeah, um, have you been selling well through there? It uh, generally moves very quickly. It on does, it does. Um, but are there, look, they're little knickknack things. So they're not really, you know, highly sought after items. But right. I wanna, can I show you the coolest thing that I bought this week? Oh, Please, please. Well, let's take advantage of the video. 
Ah, road. Yes, they generally make sort of slaves and stuff. So, what so, is that you've so got there? Road is a, an, an audio brand from Melbourne. Right. Um, I think they're Melbourne based. Anyway, they're definitely Australia based. And they? my my I old wireless know. mics are huge. Like they're big chunky belt packs, and they do a great job because right. they've got huge range and stuff. But most of the time, I'm just needing to record, you know, five meters from camera. So this is the new little receiver. And this is the mic. It's even got a built-in little mic there. And you can put a little fluffy Amazing. on top. And so it just, you know, clips in. And I kind of go, you know what, that can sit oh. in my bag literally every day. And anytime I'm out shooting, I've got the option to have wireless audio, whereas I would never carry around my big mics. So right. just that kind of stuff where you go, look, that's they're, they're great, you know, not endorsing road necessarily, but like it's, a, it's an example of kind of getting a product and you go, look, I will take that with me. I will use it and it's good quality and it does the job. Whereas like my old ones, yeah, I bought them in a bit of a rush. Didn't These weren't out on the market at the time. But, you know, you just kind of make decisions sometimes where you go, mm. like that was a, maybe a bit too rushed through. So right. that's my mission this week. I've been doing, just researching everything online, like so many YouTube videos. It's insane. Yeah. You do like your research, don't you? You do yeah. like your little knickknacks and I do. I like my knickknacks when they're being when they're useful. It's fun spending money too, let's face it. Come it on. Is. It I, is. I've just on that, how much does that setup cost, by the way? The little mics? Yeah, yeah uh, the little loads. Because I actually need a pair of those. Oh, okay. So they're um I think that they're Obviously, if you speak to our friends down at um, Croydon Camera House, um, they're a bit cheaper. Yes, um, yes But I think they're about 300 bucks for the pair. Right. But then right. you can get like, say, my little lav kit. Um, there's You can actually get a wireless lav mic as well. So yes, that, I've got, this I've, can actually I've got plug. got mic. Oh, there you go. So it can plug into the end there. So, so plug into that and then you mm. just plug that onto your lapel. Yep. Because I'm, I'm going to be obviously, hopefully, not obviously, Running my workshops again this year, and my mission is to do a little bit more audio, Ooh. a little bit more selfie stuff while I'm out and about. Oh, everyone and loves a Tom Putt selfie. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a Facebook face forum like this, on Tom Putt selfies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. there? I haven't, I haven't yeah. discovered that one yet. It's called I'm Nightmares of Zoom. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, actually, yeah, we should mention. So. Actually, sorry. Um, we, I'm going to okay. pick you up where you are. But for those who are listening to the audio version of this podcast, because it's now got some video as well, we were looking at the Rode Go wireless mics because um, we sort of nice. didn't really say what we're looking at. Anyway, <laughs> you, uh, everyone's just going, gonna forget. yeah, but what bloody model was exactly, it? Tell exactly. me. Yeah. I'm seeing you, idiots. So you're going to do more audio on workshops or more selfie stuff. So you're thinking, are these like um, just, you know, straight up people want to see my face or do they have some content that people are actually going to get something out of? <laughs> <laughs> I know that you shouldn't have to ask dare that you, question, but Tom, dare you question that? Dare you question that? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. No, okay. no, no. I, I just think it's a, it's a shame that I haven't been more diligent in recording some of the cool stuff that I've done over the years. Maybe it's of interest to people. Maybe not. Mm. But my mission this year is to try and shoot far more of that stuff rather than just, uh, just being a bit blase about it. Yeah, anyway. you're right. That's cool. the deal. I'm not sure if it's going to come off. At the end of the day, I'd, I'd really love to have my mate Damo or, or even you, darling, to um, come along on all my workshops and do all the video and record me doing all the wonderful things. How but cool then Tom Putt workshops would be even more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> are they expensive in the first place? It's lucky the interest rates are low at the moment, isn't it? Like, Oh, get stuffed. Listen to you. What, what? You know, it's poignant that you've brought this up because I actually did go through um, – I had to go through my workshops for this year because uh, we're now getting a better idea from our suppliers in terms of costs. 
Oh, yeah. And all of my workshops um, for this year had been based on pre-COVID prices from last year. So essentially the, the, the prices are sort of 12 months old. And then going back and now, now getting a, a proper indication from our suppliers for hopefully workshops will be running very soon. The costs have gone up, and so we had to revisit everything and and um, sort of tail between the legs, go to all of our current enrollees and say, "Hey, you know that price you paid for the workshop, you know, oh. twelve months ago? It's actually no longer that price." So now, look, on. that's not for everything, by the way. That's not for everything. No, these are these are your, your trips, the are they? These are trips, though. These, these are not your local big, ones. Big, no, these are big, big workshops. You know, things like twelve days through the Kimberley and yeah. things like that. So, can I ask with that? Um, when you say the prices have gone up, like I mm. would have thought that tourism areas, I mean, I know that they're probably struggling at the moment, but I would have thought that would have mm. been a good reason to incentivize people to go. Not You'd think to- so, wouldn't you? But they're, they're so heavily booked with oh. bookings that they're, they're kind competi- of like, it's like an struggling. They're not struggling for um, a booking at the moment and so therefore um, prices are top dollar. And this is, I think, going to be um, a trend in the future uh, particularly with overseas travel where mm. there's a number of airlines that are going into liquidation. The smaller airlines just won't exist. Air Namibia, who we used to fly in between Johannesburg and uh, Vinhook in Namibia, have gone under just just in the last few day or, yeah, days right. or two. And, so and when you say gone under, you mean com- financially, not like out of the yeah, sky? Yeah, financially, as down. in gone because <laughs> no, that that's a thing yeah. i would probably have expected as well to the ocean and, and are doing submarine tours these days but oh. uh, no they've literally they've literally um gone out of business and so the less obviously less competition means um prices yeah. generally tend to go up so i i'm i'm scared and and you know just as a side note i think the idea of doing overseas travel in the next 12 to 24 months is totally out of the question totally scary I mean, when it does kick up how how much is it going to cost? And how many people are going involved? to be in their home country? It'll just be it'll be like a house swap. Like the entirety of Australia is going to be like, oh, we should go to Europe, and Europe will be like, we should go to Australia, and then like we we'll just do a straight swap, and the population, people, all the Europeans will be here, but there'll be no Australians to million. show off what's going right. on. Like, yeah, all the businesses will be like closed for closed because we're on holidays. It's like but, Australia and New Zealand. There's actually no New Zealanders in in New Zealand. Did you know that? It's all full of Aussies. And then Aussies, Australia is full of New Zealanders. I think as soon as people turn 18 in New Zealand, they escape as quickly oh. as possible to Australia. Now, just to say, this, these are, these it are is the a beautiful of, country. These are the views of Tom Putt Photography, <laughs> Tom and not Putt. necessarily the views of the entire podcast crew. Um, but Tom, I do have something really interesting to share with you. Um, and this is via video. And guys, please remember, this is Wednesday morning. We're hopefully going to get this podcast out today. But you know us, it's like, it's a total shambles. Check this What's out. What's going on? Um, hold on. Latest. Oh, Donut Day. But not just donut that, day. mate. Matt, those, Look at the bottom those, right corner of that. Yes, so Matt, Matt 40, is showing me his phone. 40,000 tests. Yesterday alone here that, in Victoria. That shows you how much Melbourne wants to get out of lockdown. They're just like, you know what? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I saw someone who like- coughed, so I'm going to get tested. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a TV show. I watched the news. And someone on the news had COVID, so I'm going to get tested. <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> found an excuse to that yesterday, which is awesome. That's awesome. Zero his uh, phone, and on that it had the uh, daily test results just popped um, through for COVID here in Victoria. 
zero zero zero. Um, nobody, no local transmissions. Uh, no quarantine. Twenty five active, yeah. active cases yeah. and uh, forty thousand tests done yesterday. In now Victoria that alone. So that's only relevant. I think I look at that. It's not just because I'm excited about that, but I mean, from a workshop perspective, you know, you were talking about how you're hoping things get up and running and stuff soon. And, and you know what? It really does seem like this. Um, I think Australia, on the whole. And is is pretty on top of it, and I think you know you're right. Like that local tourism and stuff, you can have a bit of confidence. So it sounds like even the borders are kind of opening and closing a bit more fluidly now, rather than kind mm. of like snap shut for like yes. two months or something. Yes. So, right. so that's have, pre- that's pretty cool. A little bit more flexible. That's right. So when's yeah. your next? When's your first or first trip? First, it'd be first yes, trip back, my, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes, in in thirteen months, if it goes ahead, oh, we'll geez. be to Arnhem Land. Arnhem Land thirteen next month. months. So in um, in about three weeks, we are supposedly getting on a plane to go from Melbourne to Darwin and then hiring a, a private charter out to a place called Mount Borrowdale in western Arnhem Land, just, wow. over, the, just over the sort of eastern border of Kakadu into um, western oh, Arnhem Land. I reckon I've drove yeah. there on our trip. Is this the one that's like these amazing rocky outcrops? Like it's just it's yes, like flat like, plains and this huge just giant rock mountain and, and pile the, these catacombs like yeah. these um, underground cave systems with mm. these huge pillars underneath it's yeah it's quite that's incredible wicked. So, yeah that's where you've been i have not been to the underground catacomby part we took right. a um, we drove across the border with a permit and drove yes. to oh it's eluding me now but it's sort of the the, the, the first sort of township which right. is on a river there um out of so you go through um what's that um the crossing you go um, through jabaroo and then you go... Yeah, so you go through Jabber... You know, the, there's a crossing that's famous with all the crocodiles on and you've got... It's like a very shallow water crossing. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of the wrong one in Kimberley called the Ivanhoe Crossing. Right. But, so, but anyway, you go across know. and it was it's like a it's like an hour drive and it's very strictly don't get out of your car, don't stop, just get to the town yes. because of, you know, <laughs> like whatever. And um, and then we got a guide there. Yeah, Cahill's Crossing, that's it, yeah. And then... Um, yeah. And then yeah, so we did. We just did a, a, a quite a short day trip, and um, we had a local guide who took us up um, for a walk through all the rock formations. And they've kind of got these like they're not underground caves. They're sort of lots of caves built into this huge rock stack sort of mountain, and um, they're all filled with Aboriginal art. But there's no um, uh, barriers. There's no like preservation stuff. It's all just as it was, and there's not a single soul there. It was just like private awesome. tour of this whole, which is it was insane. So that sounds like a wicked trip. Yeah, I'd love to go. I've not yeah. been up specifically to that part of the world before. You fly in um, at this time of year, it's wet season, obviously. Yeah. So hence why we're going, because we want to be able to capture the beauty of the wet, mm. um, you know, thunderstorms, magnificent light, of course, uh, greenery oh. all through the vegetation, etc. So we're flying, um, as I said, into the airstrip. Um, you can't get vehicle access there at the moment. Not in the wet the, season. Water. <laughs> particularly, we've had a bumper wet season with this La Nina or whatever we've got going on at the moment. It's been raining cats and dogs all over um, the top of Australia for the last few months. Oh, um, yeah, and then they the take us on. Yeah, Sorry. this is it. So I am taking a big lens, um, which is um, not something that I generally do, but I. I get crocs and the bird life etc as well as all those beautiful landscapes so it would be magnificent to get away don't get me wrong um we've got you know four beautiful people very much looking forward to coming on that trip it's just a matter of um whether we can or not so oh, i reckon you'd be thir- 13 months around. away that sounds pretty safe if you're going to northern territory to me oh not 13 months we leave in three weeks you said 13 it's the months first, the first oh. workshop we've run in 13 months 
Oh, that you have run in thirteen. I said I thought you said that like you're going up in three weeks to scout it and you're going right. you're taking the trip in th- Oh yeah, you'll be fine, right. I reckon. You'll be fine. And worst case scenario, fine. you could do some amazing like sunrise and sunset shots from the Howard Springs quarantine center. So Humpty Doo. Yeah. I love Humpty Doo. No, I love it not, I need nothing more than for the name. That's yeah. what it is. The pub is on, actually nothing phenomenal. Else Why do you think They've got a quarantine station out out there in the first place because it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, wow. So, yes, that would be so. That'd be good. And then and then supposedly five weeks in the Kimberley and Karajini after that as well. So if I get into WA, I'll be there for at least five weeks, maybe longer, depending <laughs> on what happens back in COVID central. So who's yeah. who knows? And so and so this is um this is pretty exciting. There's this change in the air, finally getting back to to where where you're going. But I reckon that since the last trip that you ran 13 months ago, I reckon yes. that there's been a lot of change in the photography world. <laughs> so just to tie in our topic for today, segue coming on here, Matthew. Yeah, just I a can little bit. Feel a segue coming on. So one thing in particular that has changed, which I'm kind of going, look, how much does it cost to go to? to Kakadu, Arnhem Land and, and Western Australia. It's quite expensive just if you're just a punter, let alone, you know, doing it as a, as a proper organised trip. You know, there's a, it's a reason it costs money. It's, it's not a cheap place to get to. Mm. You're going up in wet season because you want amazing light and storms and whatnot. But mm. you know what's happened in my world in the last 12 months? Well, Tell it's me. not in my world because I don't use it, but I did discover it the other day. Maybe it's been there longer, but Photoshop sky replacement tool yes. is flawless. It colorizes the foreground as well. Um, no. And I just don't see the point in going to Arnhem Land when I could take a photograph <laughs> from Google and then just replace the sky with something that was maybe shot on the peninsula. Come on, Matt. This is not, this is not fair. This is not photography. Well, what this is, is what I, I want to know. You're trying to uh, razzle me. I'm not trying to razzle. I, well, yeah. Well, razzle, I think, sounds a bit more kind of personal. <laughs> Raz and Dazzle. Yeah, that's it. Someone's been watching Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) I love that music, by the way. That's great music. It is a very good soundtrack, actually. I'll be on my high heels and my fishnets in a minute and start kicking up my heels. Oh, I love it. So no, I, all right. So the, this, um, in all seriousness, the I don't use the the replacement sky replacement tool. I have played with it actually extensively recently, just because I've been so curious as to how realistic it looks because you often hear about mm. these things and i think people are just going to completely botch this because you, you do have to have some sort of um a scene that's going to first of all suit it um and then you got to choose the right sky for the right foreground and whatnot so mm. i think that there's a bit i'm going to say it's like it's not hard and it's not technical but there is a, a bit of thought that needs to go into it but what it started to get me thinking was i've been doing all this camera research at the moment so one of the cameras i'm looking at at the moment can shoot 30 frames per second mm. of 50 megapixel raw with Flawless focus tracking on bird eyes. Unbelievable. Now, there's that. So technology and cameras is coming a long way. Lenses, um, in terms of their technology, like you start to look at the level of sharpness you're getting out of lenses. (laughs) Tom's excited about this, obviously. Um, (laughs) He's yawning for those who are just listening. Um, Have another coffee. (laughs) um, But then you also look at things like... um, the editing process and there's a lot of software and a lot, even some of the more pro software where you'd never have these automations before. It's kind of meant to be a bit more like artistic and, and, Mm. um, you know, skill-based. I want to know going forward, coming back from 13 months of no workshops, you know, things have changed as 
on the current photography horizon, what scares you the most about like what's happening in photography outside of the fact that all the shops are shutting down like Michael's and stuff? <laughs> like not from a retail perspective, you know, like I mean from a creative perspective, like what makes you go, oh, this is this is not going in a good direction? Yeah, I try and not focus too much on that because at the end of the day, we can kind of freak ourselves out, which I'm not putting water on your fire, so to speak. Um what I'm trying to say yeah. is that... Oh, sorry. You're talking... <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. No water on the fire. Yep. I'm you listening. spend five minutes giving me this intro to then throw the floor open to me to, to go on a creative rant and then and then you do this big fat yawn. I'm right? just, I'm just paying, so back, paying back the favour, mate. Just paying that I favor. didn't. Hey, hey, I didn't make it audible. I just... Oh. visually had a little bit of a yawn well Not i just want to make real... sure I'm, I'm inclusive for both of our audiences both the visual <laughs> and the audio audience <laughs> just sleep at like 10 30 and then i woke at 2 30 and i was awake for a couple of hours i've gone back into my old ways which was that when I, I i used to have a couple of drinks a night and now i've gone off the booze altogether and i'm doing my waking in the middle of the night again you don't look like you're off the booze altogether I look like I've been on the booze, but it's only because I haven't slept properly. That's oh, why. I'm sorry, everybody. I think you need one of those jackets. What are the yeah. jackets called where they've got the leather patches on the sleeves, you know, on the elbows? <laughs> if you had one of those and a satchel bag, what you'd look like an, al- an alcoholic uni instructor, a le- uni lecturer <laughs> <laughs> right now. Yeah, you've just got that sort of bit of a... Like a, Harrison Ford out of Indiana Jones. Just the glaze going over at the moment. Anyway, so you were saying you don't focus on that. No water on Matt's fire. Talk, no, to me, talk to me, Thomas. Talk to me. Talk to me, Mother Goose. Um, I, I wish, and I've said this a few times already, I wish I was born 20 years earlier because I still yearn to use my panoramic film camera, which sounds really ancient, makes me sound like a serious old fart. It does. I loved, and I am tying this back into your topic, okay. I loved the idea and the purposefulness of that where you would have to capture, obviously we're shooting um, film, we'd have to capture the, the, the photograph correctly in terms of um, cropping because the, the, the camera didn't have a zoom, so you literally had to stand in the right place at the right time in order to capture the image what you saw, you know, and what came out in the film is, is obviously what you got. Um, the exposure had to be spot on. You had to manually put in the shutter speed in the aperture. And of course the ISO was fixed because the film had a certain speed. So I really loved shooting that. And I thought I got quite good at doing that for, you know, 15 years, I practiced that craft and um, produced some pretty good results. Don't get me wrong. I love digital for all it's worth in terms of, um, obviously it's um, cost effective. It's also, you know, allows you to shoot pretty much as much as possible. The dynamic range is far superior to all the crappy film that we used. You can zoom in and out and create all these amazing stitches if we're going to, you know, talk about panoramic photography, for example. But I do miss that um, purposefulness that I'd have when I went out and shot that kind of stuff. And that's kind of got lost in more recent times, obviously. Um, Anyone can obviously buy a camera, digital SLR even, or, you know, an iPhone that stitches together a panorama. Years gone by, you know, you'd see a panoramic photograph and wonder how the hell it was taken let alone not seen that photograph before because you hadn't seen it on the internet or social media. I used to walk into Ken Duncan and Peter Lick's galleries yearning to see what they'd shot, 
the latest images they'd taken, you know, from their adventures out and about because you hadn't seen it before. It wasn't, it, you might've seen it in a, mag, a, a magazine that had just been published. But aside from that, you wouldn't have seen it on Facebook or Instagram because they just went around. So, so is that is that the nature of like, uh, I don't want to say like technology change, but I guess is that just the nature of more people, more cameras, so therefore there's more coverage? It's a bit like Google Maps has plotted out most of the planet, so you don't need to, you know, wander yeah, the untreaded road because they're all mapped. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's diluted the whole uh, the whole idea that I loved in the first place of shooting landscapes was that chasing that photograph perhaps that not in many, if anybody, had captured before. And I think that's increasingly difficult, of course. So therefore... I guess maybe that's why I, I enjoy the aerial side of things because it is a relatively new genre that when you produce an aerial photograph, it's not like it's being done to death yeah. because you can go to places, you know, like Shark Bay and Lake Air and others that I've been to that are constantly changing, let alone haven't had many photographers shoot over there already. So, um, well, you've also I got do. the third dimension, don't you? Or the fourth dimension, really. So, no, it's the third axis. Like, as in, you know, if you're a photographer on the ground. For me now. No, but like, think about it. If you're a photographer on the ground, you can go left, right, up and down, and that's about it, you know, forwards, yes. backwards. Um, but the up and down component is really limited to your personal height, unless you've got one of those stupid, you know, those tw- tripod poles that, like, crank up, like, 20 metres. Whereas the moment you start getting to aerial. Cherry pricker that you bring along. Yes, that's right. Nick Fletcher. Um, <laughs> he's known for that. 33 minutes in. What do you mean he's known for that? <laughs> he, he's known for, like, when he's motor, he has motorbike shoots and stuff, they'll, they'll, if they can get a cherry picker or something to get up on the jumps so they get a better vantage point. But, he, he has heard of a drone before? Uh, well, he has a drone now, but I don't, I don't, it, it's all speed light stuff. Um, I don't know. Don't, don't ask me about it. He's look, I, I, let's, <laughs> well, let's, it. let's stick to the professional yeah. photography opinions here and not drag him into this. <laughs> no, the, the, um, but I think that you're, you know, with, with aerial photography, you, you know, you've got this ability now to, you know, where your compositions were limited to moving left, right, forwards, backwards, and a tiny bit of up and down, you've now got this huge up and down. So every shot you've ever taken, you could now do it, you know, five or six other variations and they'll look different. Is that what yeah. you mean as well? Like you've, you've just got more opportunity. You can get to literally anywhere on the planet almost. And there's even underwater drones. So, you know. There that. isn't. Yeah. Do you know Mary was – were you talking about that the other day or was Mary talking about that the other day? Talking about a drone that perhaps you could fly over the water and then submerge it underwater, swim alongside a whale and then come back up again. Yeah, no, so I don't know about that one. Um, <laughs> there are definitely underwater drones and I've seen people do really clever shots where they fly their normal drone towards the water and then they stop it at the right point and then you can do like a, a transition with After Effects and then pick up the underwater drone so it looks like it's diving, but I've not seen one that's right. actually like an amphibious, not even amphibious, I what would you call that, an amphibious? I would have thought that Elon Musk or, or Jeff Bezos would have gone onto that. Probably, yeah. Or no, who would it be Michael Cameron, wouldn't it? Because he's into the whole like explore the deep blue sea and like everything. James Cameron. James Cameron. James Cameron. Who's Michael Cameron? Yeah. <laughs> he's probably someone I've, I've his probably went to school with him or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, James Cameron, I think you're referring to, yeah. the director of yeah, that's it. In, in and he, stuff. But he do, he's got like exactly. the, the he's like got a submarine and stuff that goes down to like the Mar- Marianas Trench and stuff. So he's the uh, he's the next Jacques Cousteau. Yeah. But um, get back into the topic because we oh, have thirty five minutes. Now. We've only got a few minutes left. Right. <laughs> and barely on the subject before our power um, cuts out. Yep. 
<laughs> I don't. I yeah. Before the the credit runs out, um, I don't. Um, I I don't know from a commercial point of view. I'll just keep enjoying my photography and and um, and hope that what I keep producing is relevant, um, and that when people come into the gallery, they do actually like what they see and purchase it, and not think to themselves, "Well, I could get this on my iPhone." I think that's mm. the biggest issue is making sure that I can remain relevant in that regard. Yeah, but right. you know, it's not for me personally in terms of like how I'm going to continue to photograph. Um, of course, the software is going to get better. Of course, the cameras are always going to keep getting better and do fancy things. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to, you know, you can have the best camera in the world and the best software in the world, but it doesn't make up for the fact that you still need to take a half-decent photograph. In so you're case. saying I shouldn't upgrade my camera? No, definitely <laughs> not. Thanks, so Laura, I- you owe me one. <laughs> Boom. So I agree with what you're saying entirely because, like, so my big fear that when it's not a big well, fear, don't, don't agree with it. We need a bit of friction here in order to make it interesting. A bit okay. of drama. Well, I won't entirely agree with you then. Um, okay. Good. So, not. firstly, like, I I agree that the um that the tools are making things easier, which means there's more of it, which means it's harder to stand out. Right? So, it, I definitely mm. agree with that. I don't think anyone can deny that. So. Um, I don't have so much of an issue with that because I kind of look at sort of, I do some corporate and commercial photography, um, you know, not tons and tons of it, but I do that with photos and videos. And what I've noticed over the last few years is that there's a lot of tools that have come out that are encouraging businesses to do their own like videos, for instance, like they have little blogging kits and stuff that they get sent out and they, you know, you upload your files and they come back edited and all sorts of fun stuff. Mm. What's really interesting is a style of photography and video has dropped off completely. So things that are really relatively basic, so like event photography as an example, um, a good event photographer is amazing, but just if you're kind of snapping shots of like the, the end of your party where traditionally a photographer might have been hired, now they use the marketing person. Yeah. And yeah. I think that um, that's totally fine. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but I guess um, in, in a call it creative photography sense, I kind of feel like, the same thing is happening. Like these, these masses of people who are photographing and documenting everything. Documenting is kind of the word I'd use. So mm. I find that when I go onto my Instagram or Facebook feed, yep. what I'm finding more and more is these are stunning photos. People talk about, you know, photographers in particular talk about the sharpness, the crispness, the technical crap that's getting better and better and better. And I think that's really important because it can definitely change a photo. But more often than not, I'm looking at photos at the moment and there's probably you know, 30 or 40% of them where I look at them and go, hey, that's a really cool shot. Like there's something about it that's super cool. It might be that they've captured a particular moment. So like in wildlife photography, as an example, there's a difference between having a picture of say like um, an owl perched on a tree, which is crystal clear, Mm. sharp. It's got great, you know, background. There's no clipping. It's, you know, technically perfect. And then you get someone else has taken a shot where it's like an owl wrangling a snake, you know, (laughs) through trees with like amazing sunset lighting and i still think that the the there's this separation between people who take photos that have like story in them where you look at it you genuinely kind of go like i'm intrigued by that shot or it's Mm. you know story for those who are who are kind of listening or watching and kind of thinks what do you mean story in a photo it doesn't have to be like a novel it's not about um you know a really long-winded story it's more about looking at it to me and going that there's a connection of some sort where it's not just i took a picture of a thing and I think that as you get the masses out there taking more shots with better gear and sky replacements and stuff, that's all great. But it's actually, you can see, you look at a photo and they've lost their kind of heart a little bit. And 
it's interesting. I'll look at it and I'll go, hey, that was a really cool shot. Like it's technically good. It's like that. But I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't put it on my wall. I wouldn't. not enough to be technically good these days, is it? No. The, the benchmark has been raised so much higher now. It's In years gone by with landscape photography, for example, you know, go back and look at the landscape textbooks or, or, or books of Australia from the 70s and 80s and it was just enough for somebody to get to that location with a camera. Yeah. Regardless of, of the light, et cetera, or the composition. It's like, oh, that guy got it to, or that girl got to the top of that hill. That's pretty cool. Yeah. With a camera, I've not seen that angle before. I wonder what look. that would look like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. These days, it's not enough just to get to the top of the hill with a camera. You've no. got to get there at the right time of day. You've got to get special conditions. You've got to get the beautiful light. I mean, Ken Duncan and the Peter Licks of this world, you know, criticise them for your life, but Jesus, they raised the the benchmark, you know. Yeah. Peter Dombrovskis came along and just set the benchmark so much higher than anyone had ever experienced before and, and some would argue still has that, mm. that benchmark that we're all still trying to reach. And then Ken Duncan and Peter Lick came through in the 90s and they were doing, you know, unbelievable landscape photography work. And now all of us are sort of trying to play catch-up in my mind to mm. do great work as well and the and the, the the amount of as you've said the amount of quality of photography out there these days is incredible you only got to look at all of these um images that win these competitions you know wildlife photography of the year yeah. competition natural history museum and you just it's mind-boggling how they've been able to capture some of those photographs and they are a story in themselves let alone just a documentation of the fact that this bird has caught this, you know, mouse in the middle of a field. Yeah, and that's, that, I think that's the cool thing is like it's the fear for me is always that like I think like what you said, you lose, it's you're trying to work out how do I stay relevant when, you know, for instance, like as a wildlife photographer, um, it's very difficult being in Melbourne in lockdown <laughs> compared to say <laughs> somebody who might, be in Africa, not in lockdown. Um, who, who doesn't have a, a lockdown, with, even though with no tourists there. Their, their country. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's it, it's a very hard thing to keep up with physically there. But um, I guess from a technology sense, I think there's all these cool technology tools that are coming out, but they will never, um, one thing technology can't do, and they have tried, the Google Pixel phone has tried to do this. Um, they can't do composition. They can't. Right coach good angles and the problem is as the second that they get that ai because google's working on that at the moment where you actually hold your phone up and it will give you tips on how to recompose your shot to improve it um looks really cool but the problem is if you've got a million people with pixel phones and they're all using the same phone that's giving the same instructions you've just simply lost that composition again it's suddenly become mainstream so there's something about being truly creative as a person that you you just simply can't replace and that that um that's a skill set that I think is, uh, it, it, with all the fear of where the, the photography stuff's heading in terms of Photoshop and image quality and all that sort of jazz, one thing you'll never replace is someone who knows what to look at. And that could be a landscape where the photographer, you know, I, I, when some of the shots you see, um, I'm not going to try and pull names out here, but there's, uh, I think it's Ken Duncan. He, some of his shots, like of his Outback stuff, he'll have like a tiny tuft of grass in the foreground, which is obviously with lens compression blown up huge. And then this huge, mm. big, you know, landscape in the background. Mm. Um, and I think that when you look at that, you kind of go, the average person wouldn't know to use that as a subject. You know, they wouldn't know how they could possibly pull those elements that's together. It. And that's something that's that I think um, it gives me a lot of faith that for all the change in photography, it's still it's still a creative game, you know. Of course, and I think you can take one of two stances here. You can choose to be fearful of where it's going, 
and sort of and sort of throw your arms up and say, oh, why should I bother? Because all of the skill and creativity is gone from photography. Or you can go, how exciting is it that we live in this world where there's all of this progression happening? The software is better than it as it ever has been before. It allows us to process our images to make them look even more amazing. That's going to help me be more creative as a person and produce better photographs than if I was born 20, 30, 40 years ago. So I think you can, you can choose to say, uh, woe is me versus actually let's use these um, skills, technology, et cetera, that we have in front of us and at our disposal in order to create something even better still. Isn't it funny? And like this there's, sorry. sort of go, ties back to my point that I didn't make earlier about the internet and when it first came out, how everyone thought that it was going to take over magazines and oh, newspapers yeah. and they would die overnight. Well, that may have, have happened, but how long has that taken now? 25 years. <laughs> so we might well talk about, you know, how fast the camera technology is moving and, and how relevant is a digital SLR going to be in years to come. But it's probably still 20 years away. We, we tend to, as human beings, tend to overestimate how quickly change occurs. Yeah, absolutely. Yet it doesn't actually occur as quickly as we like. We don't adapt as human beings nearly as quickly as what you think um, you would otherwise. So we're well away from anything you know, extraordinary happening where you won't know photography as it exists now. So I think we can all pull our heels a little and go, hey, you know, we're okay. It's going to be fine. We're going to still able to enjoy our photography and whatever's coming up is going to be awesome anyway, but there's going to be plenty of time to to get used to it. And also, like you talk about magazines disappearing overnight, and yes, I think on the whole, magazines have obviously died a lot, but I can still go up to the news agency. There's still tons of them up there. But more importantly, (laughs) magazines have just been replaced with how I view them. They're still a magazine. You know, it's still online. It's still a a magazine that you flip through with the pages. Like there's apps to do that. There's websites that, yes, now you've got a blog, but a blog is not a magazine. It's just, I think that you're right. Things adapt slowly, but they also, they do adapt. They don't just die or disappear. Um, Let's look at it. Um, you know, books are still relevant, aren't they? Bookshops are still around. People still buy books, even though you could listen to it on the, on your phone, even though you could read it on your Kindle or iPad. Yeah. So they still exist. Um, there's always going to be that segment of the market that still enjoy the traditional way of consuming photography, newspapers, magazines, you know, novels, books, etc. Um, let's. I was going to think of something like it's. It's like art. Is it going to be that people are going to all transition to the Samsung, you know, frame TVs? Ooh. Like how, when that came out, everybody went, oh, well, there goes there goes art. <laughs> you know, everyone had their photographs on a nice slideshow, you know, on the wall. They do, don't get me wrong, they look great. But by the same token, there's something about a physical art piece that people still enjoy buying. Absolutely. So that will still always be relevant. Look at records. Look at vinyl. I mean, we've got a vinyl record player in our house because it's Mary's grandfather's that's been sitting in a shed for 20 years, wrapped up in plastic. She dusts it off with her dad, creates a beautiful memory by doing that together, brings it home, puts it in our home. And if that song or any of those songs that Mary plays on those vinyl records had come on the radio in years gone by, I would have said, get this shit off. What's this all about? (laughs) Yeah, you play it on a beautiful old vinyl record player and it's like, oh, my God, how cool is that? It's very nostalgic. It's, it's got meaning and it's got rhythm and everything else. Absolutely. So it's, I think there's always going to be that, 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 that people like to be uh, romanticized and, and, and think about the old times. 
and hence why film still exists for photographers as well. Yeah. Even though it really, in theory, it shouldn't. It should have died years ago. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but by the same token, people are still using it because they like to think back to the olden days and they like to, you know, swim against the tide. They don't want to conform in many ways. They want to hang on to the past. Is that why people still visit the gallery just to see you, Tom, to reminisce about the olden days? <laughs> Do you remember how Totten used to, how hot he used to be? But not anymore. That's it. Yeah. Remember, this is this is Tom That's now. Tom. <laughs> this air that just needs it's just out of control. Uh, anyway, it is a bit. Well, yeah, that's that was interesting, and I think that you know, I think there's um, Are people thinking about that at least, Matthew. I think will so. they be will they be um, inspired and and perhaps bring that up at the dinner table tonight with their family? Hopefully, I think I think you know I think the takeaway. The future, you know, yeah. will they just throw that in cat amongst the pigeons, perhaps? Well, I th- I'd like to think that the takeaway from this is that, um, you know, we've both got, you know, similar when we call it a fear, we've both got similar thoughts about, you know, what the downside of the future might actually be. But I think the takeaway for people should be here that if you've got two pro photographers sitting here in front of you saying that, like, yep, there's change that's inevitable, this is happening, um, but don't forget why you're doing it, don't forget that heart. I think there's a takeaway there, I do. I think, oh, you know, that. it's a bit, don't, yeah. don't go kicking and screaming yet. Don't go throw your camera off a cliff. No, I think we should put screaming. some music, like some really kind of like reminiscent music just to like trail us out, you know, just like, oh, no, I was thinking like something gentle and like thought-provoking and like this. <laughs> Art. Oh no. <laughs> that was being fun. Like, into your eyes. All right. Well, you've been listening to yet a crazy, another crazy episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. Ooh, watching. Out there, or this will be on Facebook group and everything else. If you've got a topic that you'd like us to ramble on about, just like Help we have us. today. <laughs> No, no, no. We've got plenty lined up. So it's much. Just, you know, so we want to make sure that we're inclusive and we um, solve our fantastic community we have on our Facebook group. And so just uh, pop it in the group there and uh, we'll consider it and uh, and uh, no doubt we'll be touching on it next week because we've you know, <coughs> just we're two episodes into 2021 already and we've got no idea what we're doing. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.